This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepy pastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy presents Merry Christmas from the Gas Station. Written by Gas Station Jack. Part 3 O'Brien had checked our perimeter, called for backup, and declared the situation tentatively safe in the time it took Jerry and Rosa to fall asleep in the closet. I covered them in packing blankets, then put one around my shoulders and tried to read my book by candlelight, but the situation was just too distracting to let myself get into it. O'Brien eventually joined us in the small room, reporting that there were no signs of Spencer anywhere, and if it weren't for the fact that somebody had slashed all the tires on her cruiser and Rosa's Volkswagen Beetle, she might have been tempted to believe he was just yanking our cranks. So, what's the deal with backup? I whispered to her as she came and sat down on a milk crate next to me. The others were knocked out. I was just fine letting them sleep off as much of this as they could. Brian looked at them while she searched for the words. I don't know what's going on with you crutches, but ever since I was assigned to this job, my life has gotten exponentially weirder with every passing day. Yeah, I said picking up the edge of my blanket and putting it over her shoulders. She moved in a little closer and whispered, I talked to the sheriff. He's sending a snow truck out here first thing in the morning. Tried to tell him that this needs to be a priority, but evidently this is Snowmageddon, and he can't afford to stretch his precious resources any further tonight. That sounds about right. What about her? I thought you and Jerry pretty much ran this place. I laughed. We don't run anything. She put a warm arm around my shoulder and said, I'm really going to miss you when you die. Thanks. But that's pretty presumptuous of you. So far, I've outlived almost every deputy they sent. Rosa shot up. (laughs) Eyes wide open and a look of sheer terror. Hey, did we wake you up? Did you hear that? She said in a voice that did not sound anything like Rosa's voice. A cold shiver ran down my spine. Hear what? He's coming. Almost here. When he gets here, we're all over. We can't let him have it. Girl, you are freaking us out. Who's coming? Spencer? She's dreaming. One of my foster brothers used to do the same thing. Her eyes are open, but she's talking in her sleep. Right then, her eyes rolled way back into their sockets, revealing nothing but veiny white bulges. Did your foster brother do that, too? Okay. That is different. She slowly began to stand up, clutching the blanket to her chest, and then continued speaking in the same weird voice. Every living being will be transformed into a conduit for pain and suffering if he finds what he is looking for. You will all beg for death, but it will never come. An unfathomable horror from worlds inconceivable is at your gate. Do not open the door. Well, that doesn't make any sense. 
Is it a gate or a door? Fix your metaphors, creepy nightmare Rosa. O'Brien stood up and looked at me. Should I wake her? Right then, Rosa dropped her blanket, revealing that she was actually floating about eight or nine inches off the ground. Oh. Ah! It might have been a little bit of an overreaction to shoot Rosa with a taser gun, but then again, it might not have been. There's no changing what already happened. Rosa fell onto Jerry, waking them both up in a screaming fit of expletives and confusion. Holy shit, what the fuck was that? Ah! Get off of me, man, get off of me! Oh my god, what the fuck? It was a good 20 minutes before Rosa was calmed down enough for us to pull the prongs out of her skin and get her patched up. We were all in front of the store. Rosa sitting on the counter while O'Brien put the finishing touches on her bandages. Why the hell would you shoot me with a taser? Always with the questions, Rosa. You were sleep floating, I explained. Oh, sorry about that. I didn't mean to. Hey guys, what do you suppose that is? He pointed at something just on the other side of the glass doors that looked at first glance like a body slumped against it. Upon closer inspection, I became certain that it was, in fact, a body slumped against it. O'Brien drew her gun and carefully walked over, undid the lock, and opened the door just enough for the body to fall halfway into the gas station along with a freezing blast of wet hair. Crap on a cracker. Is that Spencer? It was. He had a busted lip, swollen black eye, and scrapes and bruises covering his face like he'd gone ten rounds with a dump truck. But O'Brien was smart enough not to let up her guard. She kept one finger on the trigger while she checked for son's breathing, which, sadly, she found. She put the unconscious Spencer in handcuffs, dragging him into the store, and handed me another dollar before calling into the sheriff's office. Do you think that's going to be enough? One pair of handcuffs? He's unconscious and unarmed. What exactly did you have in mind? Maybe we can tie him up. At the same time, Jerry blurted out, Wooden stake through the heart? We compromised and found a roll of duct tape to secure him to a rolling chair, then pushed the chair into the supply closet, then nailed the closet door shut. Thirty minutes later, we heard the pounding on the roof. The first one jolted us all into high attention. We didn't have but maybe two seconds before the next. Maybe a tree branch had fallen over in the storm? They started coming more frequently, like a muffled machine gun. What the hell is that? They came together, five to ten each second. And then, just as suddenly as it started, the pounding on the roof came to an end. Maybe it was hail? Or maybe it was him escaping. He pointed at the room Spencer was in. How does that make any sense? Lady, we are way past the point of making any sense. I think you know that. That was all it took to convince O'Brien to pry the nails open on the door to Spencer's makeshift prison. But once we got it open, we saw that he was still there, duct taped to the chair. We breathed a collective sigh of relief before... Well, hey there, everybody. Merry Christmas. Now, which one of you wants to let me out of this chair? Spencer Middleton, you are under arrest. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say... Christ, O'Brien, are we really gonna do this again? Just set me free and give me a weapon. You clearly have no idea what's out there right now. You think I did this to myself? Trust me, you're going to need my help. We probably should have gone with the steak. Come on, let me get Spencer was still yelling at us as O'Brien closed the closet door again. You're gonna regret it. Okay. 
We need to check out what that noise was. No, we really don't. Russell grabbed me by the arm for some reason, and then said to the deputy, You can't leave us alone with that guy. Jerry announced, I'll go check out the noise. If I'm not back in five minutes, assume the worst. You're not going by yourself. Fine. Then let's all go together. Rosa squeezed my arm tighter. I'd rather take my chances in here. Okay, said O'Brien near her wit's end. Then we'll split up. Are you freaking kidding me? Are we really going to Scooby-Doo this? Apparently we Scooby were. And after a few more rounds of discussion, we Scooby did. It was decided that Jerry and I would go check out the noise while O'Brien and Rosa stayed and watched the prisoner. Hey. O'Brien told me just before we left on our wholly unnecessary suicide mission. I can handle floaty girl and duct tape boy on my own. But you need to take this. Just in case. I don't know why people are always trying to give me guns. I'm not a gun guy. The last time I had a gun... You know what? Don't even worry about the last time I had a gun. Plus, I need both hands just to move around. I'll take it. Have you ever fired a gun before? That depends. Are you a cop? She let out a deflated sigh and handed him her pistol. <sighs> Just try not to die, guys. Okay? Rosa looked at us nervously and tried to offer some words of support. Be careful. I'd hate for this to turn into a... What's the opposite of a sausage fest? A clamboree. Right. I'd hate for this to turn into a clamboree. Jerry led the way with his two perfectly functioning legs, pointing a gun and flashlight in front of him while they kicked a trail through the thick pile of snow that had settled knee-deep outside the gas station. We trudged through the frozen landscape until we were safely under the vehicle overhang next to the fuel pumps. Then he scanned the area with a light, revealing dozens of small holes in the fresh snow, like tiny baseball-sized craters. From here, we could see the roof of the gas station as well as the piles of tiny winged creatures caught up in the gutters and slowly being swallowed by snow. I dug my own flashlight out of my coat pocket and scanned the area under the overhang, finding six or seven dead birds around the edges. It wasn't the first time I'd seen this, but it was the first time I know of where it happened right on top of the store. We get strange weather patterns out here, and every once in a blue moon birds get confused and forget which way is up and fly straight into the ground en masse. Local scientists blame everything from fireworks to pesticides, but officially the cause is unknown. All I know is it's freaking weird. Hey, check this out! I turned to see the cherry had plucked one of the creatures out of the snow and was holding it in his hands. Dude, don't touch that. You might have herpes. Check it out! He said as he pulled a long coil of thin copper wire out of the bird's corpse, then held it up for inspection. Unwound, the metal string was about a foot and a half long. You think he ate this? I shrugged. Times are tough. He threw the bird back into the snow and wiped his hands on his pants. Should we go back inside? Yeah, in just a minute. But first, we need to talk. I really hate this part. Honestly, I'd rather face one of the creatures from the forest than have a serious chat with Jerry. Sometimes we don't get a choice. Fine. I'll come clean. The mice were mine, but they were dead when I bought them. I was using them for snake food, and I didn't know that- The radio. You put it back together? He blinked a couple times, 
Slowly pulled out his pack of Marlboros. Slowly put one to his mouth. Slowly lit it and took a drag, and then said, Yeah, so? I didn't really have anything planned for this part. So I let his question hang there in the air for a while. Did it say anything else? Yeah, not much. Mostly about the snowstorm. And... He trailed off. And... And it said that Sagoth had risen. He took another drag. Are you sure you didn't say a savior has risen? Like some kind of Christmas thing? He said it like ten times in a row. Sagoth has risen. Sagoth has risen. You get the point. Sagoth has risen, etc., etc. I thought it was kind of weird because I'd never heard him repeat anything before. He stood there in silence until he finished his cigarette. Then he looked back up at me. So, ready to go back inside now? We both heard a sneeze at the same time. It came from somewhere down the road leading into the forest. And if I could have jumped, I probably would have. The hell was that? It was a sneeze. Where's the gun? Jerry looked at the ground. I followed his eyes and he pointed the flashlight at the blank spot in the snow next to a set of raccoon feet shaped prints leading off into the forest. I repeated the question slowly. Jerry, where is the gun? I set it down to pick up the dead bird. You don't think Rocco made off with it, do you? Rocco, our resident mutant trash panda. I highly, highly doubt that Rocco didn't steal it. We both looked at one another with that what-do-we-do-now look. Then Jerry yelled out, Bless you! Of all the stupid ways of imagined dying at the gas station, this was not one of them. A voice came back from somewhere deep in the blizzard. Hello? Is somebody there? No! I yelled back. Sure sounds like somebody to me. The voice was getting closer. Hello? I tried to do some quick math. Is somebody there? Could I crutch run back to the gas station before the source of that voice reached us? Probably not. A figure started to emerge in the snow. A man-shaped figure. As I got closer, the details came into focus, and before long, the man was underneath the awning with us, casually walking towards me, hands in his pockets, snow covering his hooded blue jacket coat. He walked right up to the two of us and asked if he could bum a smoke. I watched the guy light it up and take a drag. I noticed there was something strangely familiar about him. He was about 5'10", early 30s, with dark brown hair and a short and well-maintained beard. Thin, but in good shape, and wearing a coat that was way too big for him. After a few moments, he asked, You guys know if the gas station is open? His voice was so tip-of-my-tongue familiar. There's no power, but the phone still works if you pay in advance. Who are you guys? You part of the emergency services crew or something? No. We work here and got snowed in. No shit. I was driving through and got stuck. Been waiting in my car down the road for the last couple hours. But the engine just died. Thought I was going to freeze to death out here. I'm Donald. We shook his hands and we introduced ourselves before Jerry finally asked the question that was on my mind since we first saw this guy. Hey, aren't you Donald Glover? He laughed. Yeah, I am. I knew it. We were standing outside talking to famous actor slash director Donald Glover at my gas station. Holy shit. What are you doing here? I was just driving through. Answered Grammy Award winning musical performer Donald Glover. You were just driving through? 
on Christmas Eve. He shrugged. I got lost. I looked at Jerry. Then I looked back at primetime Emmy awardee Donald Glover, who asked, So, is it cool I come inside and warm up? Of course! Yelled Jerry before handing a spare flashlight to multiple Golden Globe winning writer slash comedian Donald Glover and leading the way back to the store. Once we were back inside, we introduced O'Brien and Rosa to five-time WGA award recipient Donald Glover. I thought it was pretty cool. This was the second most famous person we ever had stepped foot into the store. If there really was Elvis that one time. But the girls were not impressed. In fact, they seemed more concerned about why we were returning without O'Brien's pistol. Jerry explained that we were attacked by a herd of ninjas, but O'Brien wasn't buying it. Before I could tell them about the birds, the store phone started ringing again. I was the closest, so I picked up while O'Brien gave Hollywood superstar Donald Glover a packing blanket to warm up in. Hello. The owner of the voice on the other end let out an annoyed growl and then said, Jack, it's me. Benjamin? How many times have I asked you not to use my name on the phone? Sorry. It was Benjamin, the crotchety bearded man that occasionally shows up at the gas station to shoot and blow things up. I would say more, but that's literally almost everything I know about him. What's going on over there? I'm looking at weather reports right now, and the gas station looks like someone opened up a portal to the center of the ninth circle of hell. Yeah. Thanks for checking. By the way, I found your blog online. Oh? What do you think? I think you don't know the difference between a clip and a magazine. From here on out, I would appreciate it if you left me out of your little stories. Okay, I will. Are you going to be showing up this time? Negatory. I'm in Greece right now, just looking for a status report. Something beat the shit out of Spencer and we lost power again. By the way, does Sagoth has risen mean anything to you? Sagoth? Yeah, that's the name of a shape-shifting demon. If he's anywhere near the gas station, you boys need to hunker down and pray. Because that son of a bitch can look like anyone. He feeds off of pain and leaves his victims stripped of all their skin. Aw, damn. It's a good thing we found Donald Glover when we did. What followed was an agonizingly long pause. Hello, Bill Band here from the All 80s Movies Podcast to tell you about Factor Meals. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get your 50% off today. Do you need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. 
Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hello? Did I lose you? Who the hell is Donald Glover? You know, the critically acclaimed musical genius? He performs under the pseudonym Childish Gambino? He's a rapper. He raps. Yeah, and I bet he's a great kisser, too. Jack, did you somehow become dumber since the last time I saw you? What do you mean? Motherfucker, I just Googled him. Donald Glover is at home with his family in Atlanta right now. You're in the presence of a shape-shifting demon. Or maybe that one in Atlanta is the double. And the real one is in the gas station. He made that growling noise again and said, The only way to kill a demon like this is to take off his head. Goodbye, dumbass. Then the line went dead. Jerry came and sat on the counter and said, All right, I'm not making any offers or anything. I just want to know your opinion. Do you think we're more likely or less likely to have an orgy now that Donald Glover's here? Jerry, listen closely. We have to kill Donald Glover. Okay. He said, hopping back to his feet. Let's do this. Uh, how? Jesus, he didn't even need an explanation or anything. We need to cut off his head. (sighs) Nice. Well, I had one ally on board. But I knew that convincing two more people to help us cover up yet another brutal murder at the gas station might be more difficult. Assuming we can even figure out a way to kill not Donald Glover, and assuming that he really was a demon, and also assuming demons were even real, Benjamin was feeding me true information, and none of this was just a vivid hallucination caused by my rapidly deteriorating mental state. Man, when I lay it all out like that, It's a lot to take on faith before committing decapitation. sure how differently the night would have gone if Spencer's phone hadn't started ringing right then, and I'm also not sure how I keep forgetting that he is the only private cellular network on the planet that reliably gets service out at the gas station. Who forgot to take his phone? The last couple times Spencer and I crossed paths, it didn't go so well for me. I never learned how to fight, or take a punch, but one thing I'm surprisingly good at is picking Spencer's pockets especially whenever he's got a case of the bloodlust blinders. Somewhere in a box in storage, I had about a dozen phones I've stolen off Spencer and Kiefer, his deceased former employer. But this go-around in my hurry to get him taped to a chair before he woke up, the idea of stealing his phone again had completely escaped me. You guys hear that? Asked not Donald. We all stood in a weird semicircle around him, and there's no possible way we didn't all hear the ringing noise coming from just behind the supply closet door. O'Brien and Rosa were between not Donald and the supply closet, with Jerry and me on the opposite side. We had him surrounded. 
And if only I could somehow telepathically convey to the others that we needed to jump him now while his guard was down. We might have a shot at incapacitating him while our skin was still intact. I don't hear anything, blurted Rosa between rings. She was probably the worst liar I'd ever witnessed. But now that she had set the narrative, the others decided to commit. Yeah, me neither. Prob's just the wind. Donald the demon pointed at the supply closet and gave Jerry a raised eyebrow. You don't hear that? The ringing coming from right behind that door? No. Okay, what about you? He said to the deputy. Are you going to gaslight too? For some reason, O'Brien looked at me. I tried to make a hand gesture to say, He's a demon! We need to cut off his head! But I think it just confused the hell out of her. She and I should never play charades together. Yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing? Why are you people being so weird right now? Rosa scoffed and said, We're not being weird. You're the one acting weird. Okay. A silent moment passed. Then Demon Donald pointed his flashlight right at O'Brien's eyes. She flinched for just a second. Enough time for Demon Old to dart past her to the supply closet door. Wait! But it was too late. Demon Old had opened the door. What the hell is going on? He asked, pointing the flashlight at Spencer. O'Brien put up her hands and said, It's okay. I can explain. Spencer started shouting. Oh my god, please! Please help me! You've got to save me! These people are maniacs! They beat me and killed my wife! You have to get help! Rosa? Bad liar. Spencer? Freaking amazing liar. O'Brien yelled, Close the door! And took a step forward. Hey! You stay back! Stay away from me! All of you! Please, untie me. She's not really a cop. They've killed people. So many people. (laughs) Spencer started crying. Like real, actual tears. I couldn't help it. I started slow clapping. Everyone turned their flashlights to me except for Jerry, who was clapping along. You got something to say? Asked the shapeshifter formerly known as Donald. Yeah. About how we don't turn this into a huge farce? About how we all come clean in the spirit of Christmas? You're not really musical icon and famed television movie star Donald Glover? You're really Sagoth, the shapeshifting demon? Do you have any idea how ridiculous you sound right now? Asked hopefully Sagoth. Yeah, I do. Because I just said it. These people, they're crazy. They're talking about demons and angels and they're killing people. There's something wrong with them. Please run, get help. Wait, why was Spencer staying in character? I just told him that this was Sagoth. Why didn't he drop the act? Unless... Sagoth wasn't the one that had beaten him senseless and left him propped up against our door. I felt a sudden pang of dread. This situation was spelling out of control way faster than I could keep up with it. O'Brien attempted damage control. Everybody calm down. Donald, my name is Deputy Amelia O'Brien. You're a deputy? Yes. And you think I'm a demon? No, of course not. But that guy does. He waved a flashlight at me, then pointed it at Spencer. And this guy right here? He's a wanted criminal. Okay, 
So that's why you beat him up and duct taped him to a chair and hit him in a dark closet. Is that something deputies do? No, not exactly. Fuck this, I'm out. Before she could say anything else, Donald turned and ran out the back door. Letting another cold blast of freezing snow rush into the store before O'Brien raced out after him. The only sound in the room for the next minute was Spencer laughing. <laughs> no, not laughing. Cackling. <laughs> when he was finished, he said with a shit-eating grin, This is getting fun. I wanted to run out after them. As stupid as it sounds. If I had been able to run, I would have. But they were gone. And O'Brien was an adult who made her own decision. All I could do was wait. The time crept by slowly, waiting for her to return. Intrusive mental images of a demon flailing my friend did not help. Neither did Spencer's comments. Hey, Rosa, isn't it? She looked up. Shut up. Let me just ask you one question. What exactly did Jack tell you about me, huh? Did he try to sell you that horse shit about me being some kind of sociopath? Rosa answered. The exact word he used was psychopath. Spencer laughed again. <laughs> no, I've never hurt anyone before in my entire life. I'm worried about him. You know what he has, right? You know what FFI does to your brain? He shouldn't be out here near other people. He needs to be in a hospital where he can't hurt anybody else. What do you mean, anybody else? I crutch walked over to Spencer and considered hitting him, but decided against it for two reasons. First, that would have been embarrassingly ineffective. And second, it was obvious that that's what he wanted. He was trying to flip Rosa and prove I was the bad guy. I don't know why I thought it was a good idea to engage in conversation. Do you have any idea how annoying it is to live with what you did to my leg? I bet it's not half as bad as what you did to any of the other folks you killed. Why don't we ask Kiefer? Or how about my old boss? Hey, I didn't kill your old boss. A second passed before he cracked a smile and I realized what I had done. What about Kiefer? Oh, I said turning to Rosa. Yeah, him either. I didn't kill anybody. Now, let me ask you a question, Jack. You know, because you're in such an honest mood right now. Whatever happened to Carlos, huh? I've been sitting here in the dark all night, and I can't shake this weird thought. Am I the only one who wants to know why Carlos isn't here? I looked at Jerry and said, Put him in the cooler. We wheeled the psychopath into the walk-in, double-checked that the duct tape was secure, then closed the door and propped the chair up against the handle. He could scream to his tiny black heart's content in there, and it wouldn't bother us. Ten more minutes passed before O'Brien returned to the store. He got away, she said as she dusted the snow off her jacket. Jerry shattered a glass beer bottle against the wall and pointed the jagged fragments at her, yelling, <laughs> Nice try, demon. She glared at him and said, If you come near me with that thing, you better be ready to use it. Because either I'm going down or you are. He's right. What? Asked Rosa and O'Brien at the same time. O'Brien was alone out there with Sagoth for how long? 
We have no idea if you're really you anymore. Jack, I think you're confused. Rosa raised her hand and said, Why don't we just ask her something that only the real O'Brien would know? Good idea. Is Jack circumcised? Dude! Jerry looked at me, then back at her, then back at me. How the hell would I know that? Oh, were you two not... Oh, (laughs) I'm sorry. I think I totally misread that whole situation. Remind me to kick your ass later. She said, taking the words right out of my mouth before pointing the flashlight at the empty supply closet. Where's Spencer? I explained that he was trying to get into our heads and we had no choice but to put him in there. It was self-defense. Amazingly, she didn't disagree. It took a minute for the whole situation to calm down, but eventually Jerry lowered his bottle knife and agreed that we would all just keep an eye on one another until daylight and backup came. I lit the last of our candles and placed them all around the store, then got O'Brien alone in a corner. Jerry was still eyeballing us pretty hard, so I whispered quietly, There's something I think you need to see. What is it? I can't say exactly. I need to show you. Okay. Where is it? I need Spencer's phone. Let me guess. It's still on him. I nodded. In the midst of Spencer's mind games, I had once again forgotten to steal his cell phone. (sighs) I'll be right back. I followed as close behind as possible as she crossed to the cooler and pulled back the chair. I definitely didn't love the idea of opening the cooler door. Every time I think of Spencer, I convince myself that he's already figured out a way to escape. And it's just a few seconds from falling down on me from the ceiling like an evil Spider-Man. What is she doing? Asked Jerry in an atypical voice that I would call concerned if it were coming from anyone else. We didn't answer. Instead, O'Brien opened the door, pointed her flashlight at the still-smiling Spencer, and walked up to him. I waited until she'd put her flashlight on the shelf and reached her hand into Spencer's pocket before I sprung into action, slamming the cooler door shut and pushing the chair back into place. I could hear a muffled scream and slams against the other side of the metal door. Hey! What's the big idea? What are you doing, Jack? I'm sorry. Dude, what the hell? I leaned my back against the cooler and looked at the shocked faces of Jerry and Rosa. Had I made a mistake? If that really is O'Brien, then we'll know in a few hours when help arrives. If it isn't, then we've got a demon exactly where we need it. What demon? Screamed the ever-inquisitive Rosa. Did you start talking angels and demons? I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt, but a person has their limits. All I know is that you've been acting strange all night, and then your friend shot me with a taser in my sleep, and then you come in with this guy, and you're all fanboying over so hard. I expect you to start drinking his bathwater, and then... Out of nowhere, you start saying he's a demon? Well, when you put it like that, sure, I guess this does look bad. Where's the gun, huh? You two go outside, and then Jerry just loses the gun? How do we know you didn't take it? Yeah, how do we know you didn't take it? I gave him my coldest stare. I want you to let O'Brien out of the cooler right now, please. She crossed her arms and started tapping her foot. I can't do that. Why not? She called me Jack. So? Yeah, so what? So, she never calls me Jack. She calls me Crutches or Weirdo Boy or some other slightly insensitive pet name. I've never heard her call me Jack before. Hmm. He does make a compelling point. Shut up! It was too late. 
Spencer put the root to doubt in Rosa's mind, and there was nothing I could say that would get her back on board. Fortunately for me, I didn't have to say anything, because right then the front doors opened and O'Brien walked in. He got away, she said as she dusted the snow off her jacket. Jerry shattered another glass beer bottle against the wall and pointed the jagged fragments at her yelling. (laughs) Nice try, demon! She glared at him and said, If you come near me with that thing, you better be ready to use it. Because either I'm going down, or you are. Fuck. How, how did you get out? Get out of what? Oh, check it out, Jerry said to the room. It's Rose's first time witnessing something paranormal. Let's see how she reacts. O'Brien put up her hands and said, What the hell are you talking about? And why is there a chair next to the cooler? And where's duct tape boy? Rosa fainted. And as strange as this sounds, it's probably a good thing she wasn't conscious for the next part. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or email us at CreepyPod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at creepypastawikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license. Some rights reserved unless otherwise stated. The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Home of Creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. SCP Archives, with full cast storytelling. Horror Queers, genre commentary from the LGBTQ perspective. The Boo Crew, for horror-centric interviews. Listen free, wherever you stream audio, and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts. Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object Class Euclid Keter Safe Special Containment Procedures Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust (laughs) The only thing I could hear was 7219 (laughs) Laughing Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... 
Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.